and I used to be petrified of this thing. It was like, it was really chaotic. They were like throwing paint all over the place and like at the screen, which is like funny because I became an artist, but I'm also someone who like doesn't like messes. There's this, there's something inside of me that just kind of comes alive. Like I recognize that time period. So if we indeed did live in this other time realm, do you think we were friends? And do you think we had a cool radio show together? Uh, were we friends? Um, I would say so. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> you have to think that hard about it. Hi, I'm Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach. Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist. We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms. Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in a digital world. If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside of you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media at pod creatives on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Did you hear that Double Dare is back on Nickelodeon? I have not heard that because I Did don't you have watch cable. Double Dare? Yeah, oh, of that's course. right. You're one of those people. I don't know if this is like a sign of where we are, but I always hear about these shows coming back. Like, you know, they're bringing back Roseanne and they're bringing back, you know, um, Double Dare and they're bringing back this show and like even Fuller House. Mm -hmm. And you hear about the promos for it and you're just like, oh my God, I love this show. And I, this is so cool that they're bringing it back. And then like two, three months go by and you're just like, oh, I've missed like four episodes. Like I just have no interest. <laughs> and now I'm probably not going to go back and watch it. Like, and I did that with Double Dare. Like I was the biggest Double Dare fan as a kid. And when I heard it was coming back, I was just like, oh God, this is, you know, Mark Summers and, and all, all these oh, things. Oh, he's and even coming back and everything. He's, he's in a role. He's playing like a, like a, He's not hosting. There's a, okay. They have a different host, but he's playing like, I don't know. He's got a bit part. Um, but I was just like, oh, I got to watch this. And then it's probably been on for like three weeks now and I've missed all three episodes and I have no interest now in going back to watch it. So I don't know what that says. Like maybe we're more excited about the thought of memories from our childhood than actually like reliving them. Okay. we Let's come back to that. But do you think it's also possible that we are now in a world where we can binge watch things and we know that things will be there on demand. So you don't really feel pressure to watch it right away until sure, you feel sure. like it or until you remember. Sure. I think that's, that's absolutely what we do now. I mean, you know, there's most really people, no urgency. Well, like Hulu's a little different, right? I mean, like with Hulu, they don't, they don't necessarily release episodes in like Netflix does. So it's slightly different or am I wrong um, about that? Are you you, you're a Hulu person? I am a Hulu person. You don't remember that I've been trying to get you to sign up for Hulu so you can watch How I Met Your Mother. Well, I was just trying to introduce the topic for the audience. But if you want to be smug about it, yes, I do remember. <laughs> we want to air our arguments. <laughs> and, and now I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I'm back yeah. to team no on How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> I'm sure this it was this conversation that made you make that decision. Yes. <laughs> not the 40 other times I told you to watch it. But... Oh. I digress. So Hulu has original programming, I think. Although now I'm I'm blanking on what original Isn't shows. Is, is, is Handmaid's uh, Tale? Is that, is that them? Is that a Hulu thing? Or is that something else? That might be Hulu. And that might be exclusive to Hulu. If, if you're a Hulu, like if you're a handmade snob, please don't add us about this. Because if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll just wear it. Not a problem. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I don't watch that show. And I don't think that I, I ever will. I mean, I heard it's it's a wonderful show, but 
I'm too much of a pansy to watch shows like that. But anyway, Hulu originally, I think the reason I signed up for it is because we didn't have cable and it allowed you to watch shows on cable like the day after. But I think now they have, for most shows, they have the full series plus the current season. But I think it might not show up till like the day after. But I, I don't know. I mean, you have cable. Are there shows, not sporting events, but are there shows that you have to watch the day it comes out? No, I think, I mean, I have DVR too. So, I mean, I can always just watch it when I want to watch it. Um, but it's funny, like, I mean, I'm in the hotel right now, obviously mm-hmm. still still hoteling it up. So do we wanna, don't really have access to do DVR. Do you want to quickly remind our, our <laughs> listeners why you're living in a hotel? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, my house flooded. Thanks for bringing it up. Well, no, and, I just I I didn't want to make it sound like you were having marital issues wanna, or something wanna, like that. <laughs> do you want to relive your 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 worst nightmare is is on on Earth? No, no, I don't. No, it's a it's a temporary situation while you guys are rebuilding what will be your dream home. Yeah, yes, that's true. But we don't have access to like DVR. We do have access to Netflix and things like that. So that's that's nice. But yeah, if I were at my home and we still had cable, yeah, I would probably DVR. But the funny thing is, is, is that I'm not necessarily sure I would go and DVR Double Dare or, you know, even Roseanne. Like mm-hmm. I remember seeing the promos for it and being like, oh, all right. Like it would be kind of cool to see where they are, you know, 20 years later or whatever. And even I don't even think I watched an episode you know, and I'm not sure now, even with her being gone, I'm going to watch an episode for a variety of reasons. I think with nostalgia, like I, I, you know, I don't know how it works with other generations. I feel like our generation is like really high yeah, on the topic really of nostalgia. High. And like, I wonder if it's because if you think about how much has changed over the last like 20 years or so, mm-hmm. um, that's a really unsteady period. There's been a huge amount of, of onboarding uh, in the last 20 years for, I mean, for all people, but like for, for our generation, who's kind of like grown up in that internet era um, to go from America online and to, to, to aim and then to Facebook and then mobile. And then, I mean, like we've really kind of like sped through the last 20 years uh, in terms of at least from a technology standpoint, but certainly other standpoints. Too. However, we are also, and just to give a context of, of our ages, we are in our mid-30s. So we also remember a time when these didn't exist. I mean, I remember a time where we didn't even have a computer in our home, and we got one pretty early on. But I think like every generation says that, you know, says similar things that to, to what you were just saying, that like we remember a time when, and we remember a time when this didn't happen. And But I just feel like the difference... And I could be way off base, but it just seems to me that the difference between now and then is the speed in which these changes are taking place. It's like it's much, much faster today. The amount of things to kind of be aware of. And I mean, my wife just we just got my wife a new car. And from what she had to what she has now it is is like it's it's blown her mind that, you know, she's got a, basically a computer that can you know, do all these things in her car and she can, you know, hook her phone up to it and she can hook her maps up to it. And like it, she didn't have anything like that. And it's just completely changed everything overnight on her. And I do wonder, like bringing it back to what we were talking about, like, I I wonder if nostalgia works really well for millennials because of the amount of change that this generation has gone through over the last two decades. And does that kind of help people, you know, relive these positive memories that they've had as kids 
and give them something to kind of like attach themselves to emotionally or hold on to or remember them of, you know, better times when things weren't as kind of hectic as they seemingly are today. I feel like that's got a lot to do with it. Yeah, I also think that we're probably the first generation that is able to access some of those things from our childhood. For example, like if you remember a show that you used to watch when you were five years old, chances are you can go on Google, on Google, on YouTube. and Also owned by Google. Owned by Google, <laughs> one or the other, and pull it up and watch it. And I know that like every everyone can do that, but... Um, do you get what I'm saying about like yeah. the, like the time frame here? What's the last wormhole you went down on YouTube for something like that? Uh, I don't know that I I'm not a big wormhole on the internet person, but I remember I don't know if I found this or my mom found this. I think it, it must have been me because my mom's not a big YouTuber, but there was this segment on Sesame Street when I was really little called Wet Paint, and it was like a music video. Do you remember Sesame Street kind of doing these like faux music videos? Yeah, yeah. And I used to be petrified of this thing. It was like, it was really chaotic. They were like throwing paint all over the place and like at the screen, which is like funny because I became an artist, but I'm also someone who like doesn't like messes. So like (laughs) this came from like from a young age that this kind of thing really bothered me. I used to run and hide when this thing came on and, and, you know, Obviously, as I got older and they would rerun Sesame Street, I would see it and be like fine with it. But my parents would always tease me about it and they would still continue to bring it up. So for whatever reason, I got this in my head or remembered this segment and I went and found it on YouTube. And not only did I find it, but when you go and read the comments and we will link up to this, apparently I was not alone. There were other children who were also petrified of this this wet paint music video and I sent it to my mom and dad and they got they got such a big kick out of it and they were like wow how did you find this so there's is there's still a party that's petrified by this um no or have you overcome that I think I think I've I've come a long way since I was four or you know I I think I was like pretty young when this thing was on but no I still haven't gotten over my my fear of messes yeah that's certainly that's true (laughs) We've talked about that in the past. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, I remember my mom, because I was you know, obviously watched a lot of Sesame Street as a kid. And um, I was, I'm a big James Taylor fan. And um, my mom, whenever we would talk about James Taylor, like, <laughs> so he did a, he, he was on Sesame Street. I think it was back in the, oh gosh, now, I, I think it might have been back in the late 70s. And he did a um, he did a couple of songs, and one of the songs that he did was um, uh, a song called Jellyman Kelly, and it was with a bunch of little kids around, um, you know, singing along with him. And my mom would always say, like, I would I've gone to James Taylor concerts, and like I've come back, and I've been like, oh, mom, the show was awesome, and I was just like, you know, he he opened with this, and he closed with this, and he did this one, and she'd be like, did he do Jellyman Kelly? Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, no, mom. <laughs> That's the one she had to hear over he and over it. again. But I remember like when she was uh, when she first got diagnosed with cancer, I would try to send her like an email a day, like something to kind of like pick her spirits up or whatnot. And I came across that video on YouTube um, and I would send it to her every so often just to kind of like pick her spirits up. And it's just like, you know, even even now I like to go back and watch it and it kind of just, you know, reminds me of her, reminds me of, you know, better times and simple times. And yeah, I think, you know, so we got a little bit of a of a Sesame Street bond there. I think the last YouTube wormhole that I went down was actually a couple of weeks ago because I was also a big 
where in the world is Carmen San Diego fan? Yes. Uh, wait, um, can and, we pause? I've sure. probably asked you this before, but I don't remember the answer. Is this when you first got into Rockapella? Was from where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Yeah, that's where the uh, that's where the romance or bromance uh, started. So I always credit Rockapella guys, you know, groups like Rockapella. Um, Fred Penner, guys like who have kind of like grew my knowledge of what good music is and my appreciation for good music. Um, and I can just remember coming home every day at five o'clock or, you know, coming home early in the day, but at five o'clock during the week, tuning on uh, PBS and watching Where in the World is Carmen San Diego and just loving when those guys were on. That um, was like the highlight. Know. Like you would oh, get excited God. when that it was that part. We ate dinner at five thirty. So I could watch from five to five thirty. Like Love that it. was kind of like that was that was the un, unwritten rule that I, I guess, cultivated. You dictated. In our house. Yeah, I said, listen, <laughs> youngest guys, in your family how, calling the this shots. This is how this is going. It's always how it works. But like, I mean, they would have you know different you know um, appearances throughout the course of the show, and then obviously the theme song that they would sing at the end. But, um, but even now, like Rachel and I talk about how, you know, my my knowledge of geography is. I mean, I, I think it's pretty good. And I think a lot of it had to do with that show and understanding, you know, different different things and, and, and where things are in, in different regions. And so, yeah, that was like not not too long ago. I kind of went down this wormhole and watched, I don't know, like seven or eight episodes in full. And yeah, it was cool. It's it's it, it does make you long for, you know, for better times, for for more normal times, I guess. Yeah. So this is something this is like a foundation block on our friendship and stuff that we've talked about before that both of us feel like we can relate and are drawn to past generations, ones that we didn't even live during. So do you think that you can be nostalgic for a different era, a different time? You know, every time I see something on, on TV or, or come across something reading about the late 50s, early 60s, 70s, there's this there's something inside of me that just kind of comes alive like, I recognize that time period. And it's I feel weird, like, right? It's a yeah. very, very weird feeling. Like I, I almost feel like I was living there somehow. Right. Uh, exactly. And I don't necessarily have it for, I mean, even though I was born in, in 85, like I don't necessarily have it when I look, when I think about the eighties or when you're reminded of something in the eighties and granted I lived through it or any other time period, you know, some people get like, I know you, you have a, an affection for like, you know, the, the, you know, the twenties and, and, and some of those, you know, that, that, that yeah, time I'd period say mine too. is more like forties through sixties is like okay, my, okay. my sweet spot. I was like two decades off, but okay. But like late fifties, but really the sixties and the seventies is, you know, the music, the culture, the counterculture, certain revolutions, Woodstock, assassination of Kennedy and, and, um, the political times. And, you know, I know these are like very like textbook examples of things, but that's really what we've kind of watered down those time periods to. But it's just funny, like even watching, you know, Ken Burns had his, his Vietnam documentary back in, in the fall, this past fall. And, you, you know, just the stories that kind of came out of that time period, how he tied, the war into the culture at that time, both um, politically, entertainment wise, like the music backgrounds, it just awakened something in me. Like I felt like whether or not I was alive and I'm living another life now <laughs> or whether or not I just have this you know, affinity for that time period. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Totally feel that. Yeah, I am just so drawn to, like you said, the culture, the music, the TV from that era to the point where 
I prefer to consume that content over stuff from today. Um, Absolutely. The mu- most of the music that I listen to, I, I'm super lame. Like I know songs that are on the radio because my husband will play them or, you know, I'll just be out in public. But when it's just me, I'm listening to old stuff. Just mm-hmm. discovered like a super cool Frank Sinatra's collection today that I'm so excited to, you know, to go through. Same old TV shows. I mean, I love television just in general. So I do watch a lot of TV, including newer stuff. But yeah, I mean, one of the other big draws of Hulu is they have a lot of classic TV. I Love Lucy, basic, but is one of my all-time favorite shows. And we haven't talked about Nickelodeon directly yet. Do we want to talk about Nick at Night? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> or Block Party Summer. I mean, Block honestly, Party Summer. when I first brought up this topic to you, like, do we want to talk about nostalgia and how we might feel more nostalgic in the summer? This is specifically one of the things that I was thinking about for me. I have so many fond memories of watching Nick at Night in the summer, watching this thing called that they had called Block Party Summer. Some of you might know what this is. Where it, I mean, this was like the original binge watching I'd say this is like mid nineties, right? like, or, you know, 94, 95, 96, somewhere in that, that range. And they might've done it longer than that, but that was really, that was that time period that I remember it the most. Yeah. So they would run like on Mondays, they would run like six episodes of one show and Steve can give you the whole rundown because he remembers it. Munster Monday, yes. Lucy Tuesday, Bewitched Be Wednesday, yes. Genie Thursday, Cotter Friday. Yes. So there would be six of each of those episodes on. <laughs> Throughout, throughout the, oh, I love it so much. <laughs> throughout the whole summer, um, and I just remember looking forward to that so much. Sitting down, watching those, uh, watching them with my with my parents because you know they remember watching them when they were actually aired, and you know, and bonding with them in that way, and you know, brought my nerd level to the next level by videotaping them, and then like I. I guarantee my mom probably still has them because she doesn't throw things out. But especially the Lucy's, like I would tape all of them on VHS. And then, you know how there would be like when you make your own VHSs, they had that like white sticky label. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I would write in like really tiny print the name of every single episode that was like on that VHS. <laughs> I like I can't believe I have friends. You're you're. <laughs> Your OCD is like off the charts. It's not OCD. I just, you know, I would want to know what was on because your other option is you have to fast forward through the whole thing. That's true. Yeah. Right? God, VCRs were terrible, weren't they? They were really terrible. Although, although, I remember I remember like a month ago I was at a yard sale. I texted you about this yes. and I came across like a, a box set of I Love Lucy's and I <laughs> and I like just texted you the photo and you're like, You should get it. And I'm like, I don't own a freaking VCS though, wasn't it DVDs? Oh, it was DVDs. That's right. Well I don't own one of those either. So there's uh there's that. Such a paradox. You don't have a DVD player, but you still have cable and you've got your D V R. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It it's weird. You know, it's funny about VCRs, though, like we were already in the era, like when I was graduating high school and into college, like we were already in the era of Blu-rays and DVD players. And I can remember being like really sad about when I say college, I mean high school. I'm sorry. But when I graduated from high school and I was about to go to college for the first time uh, or the first year, I was really just like in a funk and, and not uh, not so sure about what I was about to get into. And it's at that point in time where you're like you're longing for something that is reminds you of a yeah, reminds you of a better time and and 
you know, kind of insulates you a little bit. And I came, I like much like you with, I love Lucy. I had recorded when I was like seven, eight, nine, six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. There was a show on, on Nick jr. Uh, called Fred Penner's place and it originated in Canada. And then I think it kind of, um, came into the States and Nick jr. Picked it up, Nickelodeon picked it up. So I must've had like 30 episodes, 40 episodes, whatever it was on, on VHS. And like, <laughs> it'd be like at night, I'd like go downstairs at the basement, like when everybody was asleep and watch Fred Penner, just to be like, <laughs> so nobody could see it. Nobody could be like, what is this weirdo doing? That was like, but it, it made me feel like, you know, comforted. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like you felt like emotionally attached to something that was like, normal and felt good and felt familiar. And, um, I feel like there's like, there's great power to that in, in the creative fields. Like, um, you know, I think of just a couple of years ago, right? The whole Pokemon go craze. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like, I mean, yes, the game was a success and, and people were all about it, but it did tap into like this nostalgic, feeling for people that it was something that they remembered. It was something that came back. It was something that kind of caught on quickly. And I don't know if it's something that would be able to like sustain itself over time. Like you don't hear about it anymore, but for that hot second for that, you know, two month, one month span or whatever it was like, that was the thing like that. And everybody was trying to incorporate things into marketing and everybody was trying to like, you know, do something with it. And I can remember talking to my, my boss at one point in time and being like, ah, just give it to the end of August. It'll be gone. <laughs> we and don't need to of, do anything with this. Right. Like it kind of was, but I, I think that that like has great power when you can hit on something that came from your target audience's past, um, or their childhood that we all experienced. We all felt like we shared in, you know, that's got some great, you know, some great power to it. And like, I think about Rockapella, like I've, you know, I've gone to a lot of their concerts over the years. I mean, they're, they're not just, you know, Carmen San Diego. They have uh, a substantial music history and background and they're, they're wonderful. Highly suggest them if they're in your neighborhood, go see them. But they end, you know, that their show with, with the theme song of Carmen San Diego and it just, everybody recognizes it. It brings everybody together. Right. And like, I love when they do it. I mean, I like, I like them for a lot of their other music and them as individuals, but it does bring you back. You know, it does bring you back to being, you know, seven years old, six years old, sitting in your living room waiting for, you know, the last minute or so of the show when that was going to come on. So creating something that's familiar is so powerful. Um, that also just made me think of, do you remember hearing when Billy Joel was doing one of his serious XM runs when he does the run through of scenes from Italian restaurant? Yeah. And he, he plays it. And then when he gets to the end, right before he does the last segment, he says, and this is what everyone goes nuts. Cause they're like, Oh, I know this part. Right. And that, that happens just, just within one song. Like, even if you listen to that song for the first time, he's bringing back this section that the listener has become familiar with. And yeah. it's, it's so crazy how much of an impact that that makes on us, like as, as humans. I think there's something about also sharing those experiences, to, you know, I mean, unless you know, you have friends who watch, I mean, like we all had friends who watched Sesame Street. And we all had friends who watched Carmen San Diego and all these other shows. But like you didn't like have house parties to like gather the viewing <laughs> parties for for these shows. Like you kind of did them by yourself. And then as you get older and you realize that like there were others who 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 digged it just as much as you did. It has that like that power to the point where like if it's a Billy Joel song, you're in the garden with 19,000 people who are just going crazy because they know where this part of the song and they're like 
it's incredibly powerful. I mean, I've been moved to like, I mean, I haven't cried, but like moved to like, been, I've like welled up at Billy Joel's songs yeah. before How because like, not? oh God, like when he cuts, when the music lays out and like everybody's singing Piano Man for that one round of the chorus, like you, your hair stands up. Yeah. Like it's just like, but it's so cool to experience something like that. And it just, everybody's probably being placed back to a different time in their life when they've heard that song or where they remember that song. But it almost doesn't matter where you're being taken to because that song is what binds us together. I always think that's like the challenge. Like you create a really good piece of content or you create a really great storyline for something that you're doing and it brings them back to, you know, this this point in time in life that they hold very near and dear to their hearts. You can't replicate that. You hit on something else that I think is interesting. Drink, because I said the word that I thought something was interesting. That's interesting. Yes. Another reason why, you know, things might be revival. We're seeing so many revivals of TV shows and such is because you said that. All right. So say, you know, you used to watch Sesame Street and Sesame Street is probably a bad example because that was the show that everyone watched. But something that was maybe more vague, maybe it was people who watched Block Party Summer. That wasn't something that you knew a lot of people watched and were into. But now that we have the internet and we can connect with anyone from anywhere in the world who have the same interests as us, but we may not have known them. We're now getting that opportunity again to say, Hey, we all like this same thing that we thought we were the only ones. And now we're getting to experience this again, except now we're getting to do it with this whole community of people. Do you ever look like in design work? Do you look for common threads with depending upon the element that you're putting together that can harken back to a time period or make people feel a certain time period just by experiencing your design? Um, I don't do it on purpose, but it's one of those things that's ingrained in me. I think that all of my work has a little bit of a, I mean, my mom says this all the time. She's like, anytime she sees something that looks like retro, she's like, this is your style. This is like from your era. I'm like, mom, I was, you know what year I was born. I'm not from that <laughs> era. But yeah, I think just because I'm, I'm so drawn to that style, especially when it comes to design stuff and typography, I just, I can't help it. My, my work takes on that look. That's a regret I have. And I mean, I can certainly still do this with my dad, but you know, my mom and dad, both my mom, my dad was born in 52. My mom was born in 54. So like they lived the era mm -hmm. that I pine to like, you know, yeah. be a part of. And it is like a regret of mine that I haven't spent more time talking to them or, you know, talking to my dad now about that time period and their experiences. Like I certainly know a lot about their childhood and we've talked about stories and things like that, but like not as it ties into like the culture of things. Like my dad has told me how, you know, perilously close he came to being drafted. It didn't go that way, but it was looking like it was going to, the number was going to get, you know, drawn that, you know, this is the way things are kind of going with friends around him. And, but we really haven't talked a lot about that. And it's so funny that for a time period that I love so much that you really don't take advantage of the time you have with the people around you who actually lived it, you know? That's really true. Yeah. The only thing that I've really done is anytime I come across any old photos, I like just, I'm like, give those to me. Please leave these for me in your will. <laughs> like I, I want all of it. I'm so interested. I don't even care if it's not my family. Um, Jimmy's mom just inherited a bunch of these letters because her, um, my mother-in-law's aunt had passed away and she didn't have any children. So my mother-in-law inherited these letters from her and it was letters between her aunt and her uncle, like when he was in World War II. And I am like, 
she's like, yeah, I don't know what, what I should do with these. I'm like, can I have them, please? Like, I want to read through them. I want to, like, examine their handwriting. I want to, like, look at the stamps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, it's cool to feel like, you know, you, you have a piece of history, like, in your possession. Like, there's a few things that I have from, you know, that, that time period. Um, like, I have the Daily News from the day after um, JFK was assassinated that my dad had got kept. I'm sure his parents kept it. And so like we have that in our possession. That is and really cool. We have some stuff from the, the, the moon landing, um, some newspapers and magazines. Um, so like that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, now this story was, it could have ended up very, very good for me individually, just for my instinct and my interest. It didn't, I'll preface it with that. But, um, <laughs> One of the musicians that I really fell in love with early on, and I'm sure I'm not alone, but that I was introduced to the earliest in my life was Elvis Presley. And um, I, I mean, I talk about Rockapella and Fred Penner from a kid's standpoint of listening to kids music. But when I got to the age where you kind of started to pivot to like mainstream music, that was where I spent a lot of time listening to tapes. And we had a record player as a kid and I had some old records that my aunt kept um, that I was able to take from her. And Do you still have those? Rate, I have the records still. They're in my parents' house. Um, I don't have a record player, but I'm sure I could find something on eBay or whatever if Amazon. I want to do that. But I still Amazon. Yep. Yeah. I still have the um, the records, though. As you've kind of like, you know, migrated playlists to iTunes now, like you kind of curate songs a little more for the ones you want to listen to. But um, I wouldn't say I'm as big of an Elvis fan now as I used to be. But there are still songs of his that, you know, I'm, I'm grown to. Um, and anyway, at any rate, my wife's family. So my wife's grandmother and grandfather ran a like um, or oversaw some. This is going to come out really wrong because I'm, <laughs> I'm going to butcher the story. So hopefully nobody from her family is listening <laughs> to this. But I believe it was called the INEOA. And it was like the International Narcotics something or other. But it was some kind of like drug awareness like program. Not and, drug um, lords. They were right. They, they were, were, not pre- drug they were preventing right. Right. Drug all, issues. Of the, all of the money came in cleanly in her family. <laughs> so they had the opportunity over the years to meet a lot of influential people in the world. And um, I believe they met presidents and, you know, a bunch of other people. But one of the individuals who they they had a photo with um, was Elvis Presley. That and, is so cool. Oh, it was. Yeah. I mean, now when I started dating Rachel, we went to um, her grandparents house for dessert one night or something like that and I walked in and like right there as you walk in is like this photo of like I think it's her grandmother and and, and Elvis and I just was like oh my god you this said is marry me <laughs> yeah that was it that was <laughs> didn't have to know anything else um and her grandmother says to me she's like um you know when we met him you know he was obviously very cool and you know just as you might anticipate Elvis being and she goes and he gave me some scarves and I was just like, you're kidding. And she goes, no. And she goes into a drawer and she comes out with this box and lifts them up. And there are three monogrammed um, scarves that he gave her here. You can have, you know, you can have these. So she's got them on wow. her pos- in her possession. So fast forward 10 years or so, Rachel's grandparents pass away. And they're starting to talk about like, you know, what's in the estate and how they're going to divvy things up. And the question was posed, you know, Rachel, Steve, you know do you want anything that's on this list? And like, as the husband, not yeah. by blood, yeah. you're just like, okay, I can't make it. I'm not, you know, just like play it cool and just be like, no, 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 it's not, you know, I'm, I'm all right. And then like, but I said, like I grabbed Rachel, <laughs> if you can get those <laughs> scarves, <Yeah. laughs> like 
you are a forever. huge Elvis fan. Remember that. And everyone yeah. knows that. I'm just like, that would be the coolest thing. Like just to have like actual memorabilia. Like I've gone to Graceland and like, I mean, I, I don't think my feet touched the ground the entire time I was there <laughs> for what it's worth. Um, I didn't end up with the scarves. They stayed uh, in the family. I think they went to a cousin, which is completely fine. And, and I'm not disappointed by that at all. But it was just like you were like this close to actually oh, having man. like something that was in his hand. And yeah, uh, that would have been the coolest thing ever. So cool. How about the photo? I'm not sure what happened to the photo. That would have been a nice consolation prize. I would imagine they were probably a package deal, right? They had to go together. I guess so. But um, but it was a cool story. It was cool to actually, yeah. like, you know, hear somebody who actually had physical, you know, or, you know, I'm sure a handshake, I suppose, but like contact with, with Elvis. So, yeah. yeah. But isn't it also funny to think about the fact that I think in my mind's like that era, even though I feel like I was part of it, it still feels so magical. And to think that like our parents were actually there living their lives through part of it. Yeah. 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 It's wild. Like I think about now, the era that we're living in now, and I'm just like, what could possibly be nostalgic about this time exactly, in like exactly. 20 years? Like there's so much that I just can't feel like, you know, you're going to be able to like, and I'm sure people will because, you know, we're not kids and we're not growing up in this time period either. But, you know, it just, I can't pinpoint something that I'm just like, well, that's going to be something they're going to remember for decades. Like it just, you know. Well, especially because so much of what's coming out now is recycled information and content, yeah, right. right? Yeah. You're going to be, you know, they're going to be like, you remember that, you know, the show, the Connors and you're going to be like, I remember when Roseanne was on originally. <laughs> No, not season one. Not the first thing they tried. Right, right. <laughs> the actual successful one. <laughs> yes. So if we indeed did live in this other time realm, do you think we were friends? And do you think we had a cool radio show together with cool, um, with really cool old timey mics? Oh, yeah. Remember when you started the podcast and you sort of had a really cool old timey mic that was like actually from that era because it never seemed to work? <laughs> yes. It's sitting behind me right now looking on. Very yeah. sad that oh, I moved. That's it. I've yeah, upgraded my technology. I like how you keep it as a decoration piece, though. Yeah. Not, it's not quite as old timey as as I would hope for, but it had the, voice, little, the windscreen on it. So Your voice was very tinny when you were talking to it, almost like it was like coming out of a radio from the... Yeah. Uh, were we friends? Um, I would say so. I mean, like, uh, you had to think that 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 hard about it. (laughs) You seem like somebody I would, I would want to be friends with in another era. The one thing is, is, is that like to have, like, they didn't have like, were there radio shows like this back then? Like, I mean, like there was like radio theater, like that would certainly be more up your alley than mine. Not like talk radio. So maybe not. Maybe we wouldn't. No, well, you probably were involved in like radio theater or something like that because you kind of skewed to that drama stuff. But yes. All right. So maybe you would just be an adoring listener. I was down the hall doing like DJ stuff for. Okay. Yes. All right. So that was the scenario. I was cranking tunes. (laughs) Playing your Elvis. Right. All Elvis all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the opportunities weren't nearly as like, you know, prevalent as we've talked about now, you know, in the past as they are, you know, now to do stuff like that. So. Maybe we wouldn't have been friends. Maybe not. We could have watched Lucy together. We could have. That would have been really fun. The originals, not the reruns. We wouldn't have even known what was coming next. Right. Right. We would have been like, did you see this Chocolate Factory episode? Yes. Mind blowing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Going to teach a master class on this episode. (laughs) Oh, man. 
So we, we did pose this question to our audience. Have you done anything recently that was prompted by a special memory that you had from a summer from when you were a kid? Yeah, there was, uh, there was one response that, um, that caught my eye that came in from Joanna, Joanna Flora. Um, oh, yes. Oh, P.S. Little, little background. Yeah, no, Joanna, um, we're really excited for her right now because she just told us recently that she was able to start up her own business. Um, and one of the things that she kind of attributed to was the fact that knowing that there was a creative community out there like our creative community that, um, that's there to, to back her. And that's true. So congratulations, Joanna. And to any of you who are doing cool things like this, please come and brag about it because we, we want to celebrate with you. But she, uh, when she responded, she, she says that she's going to the drive-in movie theater this summer because <laughs> we used to do it on our summer trips. And I'm Joanna. laughing, Joanna. We don't we don't know that if how long you've been listening, but this this is a point of contention between Steve and I. The whole drive-in situation. It just seems so like unnecessary to go somewhere to see a movie, <laughs> anywhere to see a movie. I went to the drive-in as a kid. Like, yes, I do have fond memories of it. Yes. But tell me, you know, say to me like, hey, do you want to go to the drive-in on Friday night to go see Jurassic Park? No, the answer is no. I don't want to go to the drive-in to see Jurassic Park. I think I I probably don't even care what the movie is. I just I like the old timiness of it. I you know there aren't many things that you can do where you can feel like you really are in another era, and that's how I felt the last time I went to a drive-in um, last summer. I mean, this place. This is the place that we used to go to in Cape Cod when I was little. And I've been, I think I already shared this, but I'll share it again. I have been trying to get everyone in my family to go back for years and no one is interested. I finally like dragged Jimmy to go with me begrudgingly, but both of us had so much fun. Even he had a lot of fun and he's like, we're definitely doing the drive-in again, right? When we go back. So it really was a fun experience despite being in our, you know, comfortable updated 2017, 18 car you know, we had AC and everything, but it's still, you know, when you looked out the windshield, it still felt like you were in another time, got transported back there for a sec. I'm sure the popcorn is still from that era. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't really like the bathrooms that they had there. It was very outhouse. Isn't the right word, but the bathrooms had, had, can, had yeah. not been updated since the place opened. And same with the, the concession stand. Remember the gum episode of Seinfeld with that uh, that wrote, that uh, Jeffrey Harhar would yes. <laughs> with the old hot dog that would look like it's been there since the silent era. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> That's what I picture. It was similar to that. Jeffrey Harhar would. <laughs> but Joanna, we think I think it's really cool that you're going to the drive-in this summer. I will also be going in a few weeks. And I'll, I think it's I'll cool take that pictures. you. <laughs> yeah, put them up on uh, put them up on Instagram. Yeah, you guys can look for my drive-in photos. End of July. Something to look, <laughs> something to get excited about. <laughs> well, at least I know that there are audience members out there who will appreciate them. You don't have to. I'm look sure at them there are. If you don't no, want no, to. No. This is what makes us all different. This is what makes nostalgia cool. Like there were just things that we've experienced individually that only we know about. And you know, I don't think there's other people who were sitting around before they went to college watching Fred Penner. I'm sure, I was the only person who did it, but it helped me, uh, you know, psych myself up for the trip. So, to each their own. Yes. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at Pod4Creatives on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and let us know what stood out to you the most. Looking forward to hearing from you. Oh, is this too much for you, Sweden? I, and, and you seem very stressed right now. Oh, I'm stressed. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Marbles? 